The New Testament reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, to chapter 3, verse 13. This can be found on page 986 in the Bibles in the chairs. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting, before our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not for you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may God and Father himself And our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Here ends the New Testament reading. Father God, we simply pray this morning that you would please teach us how to better love young believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take a seat. I'd like to start this morning by reading part of an email which I received four years ago now. It's from a Swiss lady who my wife Valentina and I met when we were living in Cambridge. The Swiss lady was from a Roman Catholic background. 
She'd come over to Cambridge to be an au pair for a year. And she decided to start following Jesus for herself when she was with us, just a few months before she went back home. But starting the Christian life was not easy for her. She faced strong opposition from her family, even while she was in the UK. And none of us knew quite what life would be like for her when she returned home to Switzerland to live with her family. Well, three years later, she reflected back on this period of her life and wrote the email to me. And she wrote this. I wanted to encourage you in particular to pray with and for those students who were returning home. This was one of the most wonderful things which I experienced when I was in Cambridge. I remember quite clearly how we prayed for my family and my situation when I returned home. This was most encouraging as I knew that even if I wouldn't be strong enough to continue praying once I was back home, there were other people who would ask God to support me. And of course, these prayers were answered very clearly. It still brings tears to my eyes, tears of joy, thinking of what God has done with my family. Well, what did God do with her family? Well, she went back and joined an evangelical church family. She then invited her whole family to join that church. They all became Christian and all started sharing the gospel with all their family and friends. It's a wonderful story. It's a true story. And it brings me great joy when I read it. It's the true story of a new believer who had to leave us earlier than we would have liked, standing firm under persecution, spreading the gospel, bringing her family to Christ. And that email is actually very similar to the news which Paul received back via Timothy from the Thessalonian Christians. So please turn there with me if you would. It's page 986. Page 986 in the Bibles. While you're doing that, I'm aware that some of us might have joined in midway through the series, so let me just do a bit of recap for you. Um, The background is Acts chapter 17, when Paul and Silas arrive in Thessalonica and begin preaching. A church is born straight away, but so is the opposition. Strong opposition from the Jewish community forces Paul and Silas to escape suddenly at night. And Paul is separated from these Thessalonian believers. And during Paul's absence, it seems that some of his Jewish opponents take this opportunity to attack him with vicious slander. They're effectively saying things like, you know, you Thessalonians, Paul doesn't care about you really. He came to you with a new message to get a following for himself. But when the going got tough, of course, he left. Um, Because he's in it for himself, and he hasn't been back, has he? He's forgotten all about you. And it seems that word of this smear campaign reached Paul's ears. And he's forced to write a passionate defense of his short mission in Thessalonica. And this is where we join the action today. Um, We're going to walk through Paul's response to this slander as part of a four-part drama, for those of you who like watching drama on TV. So this is a similar drama. And part one is an unbearable separation. An unbearable separation. And no, I'm not over-dramatizing the situation. It was unbearable for Paul. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. He said, when we could bear it no longer... Chapter 3, verse 5, when I could bear it 
no longer. Firstly, we we see that Paul was suddenly torn away from Thessalonian believers. Look at verse 17. He says, Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart. Earlier in chapter 2, Paul has described himself as a spiritual mother, in verse 7, and a spiritual father, verse 11, to these new believers in Thessalonica. And the verb translated uh, torn away is a very strong one. It literally means being orphaned, being orphaned. Paul was like a, a parent being torn away from his newborn baby. Sadly, in our world, we see this happening all too often. One of the many tragedies of the war in Syria at the moment is that often uh, in the fighting or in the escape from the fighting, children are torn away from their parents as they desperately seek escape. One independent newspaper article said this, as thousands of refugees and migrants continue to enter Europe, children are being split from their parents in the chaos and being forced to continue their journey vulnerable and alone. It's a great tragedy, isn't it? Children being torn away from their parents in the chaos, orphaned, and of course vulnerable to being trafficked into prostitution, uh, prostitution, drug smuggling, and other things. And parents left desperately anxious, not knowing what on earth has happened to their children. And what Paul is saying here is that is the kind of agony that he felt towards these Thessalonian believers. Spiritually, he wanted to stay there a long time and build them up in the faith, and he'd been torn away from them. And he'd been forced to leave these young Christians alone, vulnerable, in a hostile environment with much persecution. And and this drove Paul to action. Look again down at the the Bible passage. We endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. You see, you can imagine Paul pacing up and down in his room, worrying desperately about these believers. He goes on the internet to try and book some flights. But the next two months, they're all booked up. That's no good. He needs to get there sooner than that. So he takes a boat, but then because of bad weather, the boat's damaged overnight, so he can't leave the harbour. He borrows his friend's car goes out driving in the country, and then the brakes fail, and he crashes into a load of olive trees. So he's stuck. He's he's in agony. He's tried again and again to reach them, but he can't do. He says he's been hindered by Satan. He sees it as Satan trying to block him from getting to them to help them in their faith. That's how Paul felt when he was torn away from these Thessalonian believers. I talked earlier about this smear campaign which had been directed against Paul by the, the Jewish people in Thessalonica. They said that Paul had left Thessalonica voluntarily. Paul said that his experience of leaving them was like a mother and father being torn away from their children. The Jews said that that Paul had forgotten all about the Thessalonians. They were all in the past. He said he hadn't stopped thinking about them. He tried repeatedly to see them. And at this point as he's writing, his love for them almost bursts out into the into the the pages he's writing on. He says, verse 19, What is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. As we would say, the the Thessalonians were Paul's 
pride and joy. Of course he missed them. Of course he had tried to visit them again and again. Of course he loved them. They were not out of sight, out of mind. They were out of sight, but yet they were very much in his heart. But he was torn away from them, and he couldn't return to them, and it was unbearable. It was an unbearable separation. So let me ask you this morning, how do you feel when new believers move away to difficult situations? How do you feel when new believers move away to difficult situations? What about maybe some of our Iranian brothers and sisters here at St. Joseph's who have moved from Newcastle to other parts of the UK and are encountering persecution for their faith there? What about the youth who belong to our encounter group, the youth group for 11 to 18-year-olds, many thinking of college and university, some that might uh, might involve a move away from home, and being a Christian all alone at university with all the challenges that face, that involves. How do we feel about these brothers and sisters leaving us and moving to difficult contexts? Is it rightly, are we rightly anxious, like Paul was? Or if we're honest, is it, are we wrongly apathetic at times? An unbearable separation. Secondly, an urgent mission. An urgent mission. You see, the, the thing that made it worst of all for Paul was not only had he been torn away from them, not only was he not able to visit them, but he hadn't heard any news from them. He hadn't heard anything at all. It was agony. You can imagine him reading Jesus' teaching in Mark chapter 4, which will come up on the screens. Jesus says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And then he thinks, well, that's my nightmare. That's my nightmare for the Thessalonians. I I know they faced persecution, but what has become of them? Have they stood firm? Are they standing firm or have they fallen away? But I have no news. I need their news. Therefore, verse 1, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left in Athens alone. That's Paul talking about himself being left in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. What was the purpose of Timothy's visit? Verse 3. Last part of verse 2. To establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter, again Paul's talking about Satan, had tempted you and that our labor would be in vain. The persecution that the Thessalonians were facing should not have been a surprise to them. Paul reminds them that he'd kept on telling them, even in a short time, again and again, that they would face persecution and difficulties. It was a core part of his basic discipleship training, as it should be for us too. But sensitively, he also recognized that young Christians, then and now, need particular encouragement to keep going when they face persecution and difficulties for their faith. 
Now, for us today, uh, in the modern world with Skype, FaceTime, WeChat, WhatsApp, and whatever else we use, we have wonderful opportunities to minister to young believers when they move away from us. In many ways, it's easier than ever before to do so. Paul had no news from them. We can have news with people um, by keeping in touch with them. But, but do we? Do we keep in touch with new believers when they move away to difficult contexts? Paul did. Paul wanted news of how these believers were doing, and not just kind of a bit of chit-chat. Did you have a good Easter, and how's your new job going? Um, he really wanted to know, he was anxious to know whether they were holding up spiritually under the persecution they were facing. So he sent Timothy on an urgent mission. Thirdly, and here the mood lifts, we see a wonderful encouragement. Look at verse 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you, and he has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you. Can you imagine Paul um, meeting Timothy and this kind of breathless exchange between them? Timothy, how are the Thessalonians? Paul, well, really well. They're living for Jesus as strongly as ever. They're holding on to the gospel and they miss you. Really? Really? And then there's a big hug. Yeah, you can just imagine it. Because Paul is, is thrilled. Look at verse 7. For, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, so Paul's going through an awful time, but when he hears this news, he says, we have been comforted about you through your faith. And he even goes further. He says, for now we live. It's almost as if he was dead before he'd got the news, and now he's come alive again because he's heard this news. For now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? Recently, um, a couple involved with the International Student Ministry over at uh, Jesmond Parish Church went out and did a tour of East Asia visiting uh, students who've gone back home who were with us in the UK, some of whom became believers here. And I spoke with them on Skype and I asked them about these different uh, Christians who are back home. And it was a real encouragement for me to hear news from these students. For example, there's one Chinese lady who we baptized one year ago. She went back and faced mockery from her friends because of her faith in Jesus. She's standing firm, and she's now bringing colleagues to church. It's wonderful encouragement. Another story I heard was of a, a student who bravely told her boss at interview that she didn't want to work on Sundays so she could go to church straight away. It's, it's fantastic to hear that kind of news. And I think it could be the same for us here, that when you hear um, St. Joseph's family of new believers who move away from St. Joseph's for work or other reasons, and they've settled in good churches, and you can, they're standing firm in the faith, you can praise God. When you hear of believers here standing firm in persecution, praise God, because it is a work of God. We can rejoice, and it's a wonderful encouragement to us in our faith. Fourthly, a passionate prayer. Paul's passionate concern for the Thessalonians flows into prayer. Look at verse 10. He prays most earnestly, night and day, that he may see them face to face and supply what is lacking in their faith. 
You see, it's amazing with Paul that even at that point, so he's heard good news about them, but even that isn't enough. (laughs) That he wants to see them face to face. He wants to see them face to face and supply what's lacking in their faith. Why? To supply what is lacking in their faith. It's not that they were doing badly as Christians. I mean, in many ways, they were doing really well. They were sharing the gospel. They were standing firm under persecution. But they still had big areas, as we all do, to work on. In, in their case, um, the issues of sexual purity and issues of work, as we'll see in chapter 4. And doctrinal issues on the return of Jesus, as we'll see in chapter 5. And Paul's prayer, I would say, is a great prayer for us here to be using for new believers here at St. Joseph's and also for those who've moved away. Pray that we, or maybe others, may be able to supply what is lacking in their faith. Let me just give you a few examples. Maybe there's a new believer you know who um, needs areas of, needs to be talked through areas of discipleship. It might be evangelism, but they're, they're keen to share their faith in Jesus, but they've just got no idea how to do it. Or it might be that they've never really thought about serving in church, and it'd be great. They, you can see they've got gifts in this area, and you want to encourage them there. Or it might be that they're unclear doctrinally on some important issues. They, they might say, for example, oh, don't, don't Muslims and Christians actually worship the same God in different ways? Or isn't the Holy Spirit only for weird Christians? Um, in case you're wondering, the answer for those questions is no. So don't, don't worry. Um, but the point is, it's not good enough to say, oh, that's wrong. That's not, just not very helpful. It's correct. But what we need to do is get alongside these new believers and talk them through the issues and give them a deeper understanding. Now, maybe even as I'm talking, it might be that the Lord has laid on your heart, a younger believer, you think, actually, I need to... Mm, yes, there is something I need to address and talk through with a younger believer. But the problem is, in your situation, that you are so busy... And they are so busy that trying to get two busy people to meet face-to-face, even though you're here in the same church family or they're living elsewhere in Newcastle, is very difficult. Well, if that's you, can I encourage you to pray this prayer? Pray that you, God may open up a time for you to be able to meet with them and that you may there be able to supply what is lacking in their faith. And while you're waiting for that, you can pray verses 12 to 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus with all his saints. Like the the river Tyne, uh, as it occasionally does, bursting its banks, um, Paul's vision is for the Thessalonians' love to grow and burst over, not just to be within the church community, but to burst over into the world so that they're ready to bring honor to Jesus when he returns. Ultimately, he wants them to stand firm, not just under persecution, but to be ready, standing firm, when the Lord Jesus returns. It's a passionate prayer. Okay, so we've been through Paul's response to these, these slander, um, looking at the... the four things a big question for us as we finish is Paul's emotional roller coaster experience of caring for new Christians your experience 
Is Paul's emotional roller coaster experience of caring for new believers your experience and my experience? Some of us might be sitting here this morning thinking, this is a little bit melodramatic. Um, Paul, you're a little bit overattached to these new Christians, it's a little bit unhealthy. In fact, I would say you're going to burn yourself out with anxiety. So let me advise you pastorally just to trust God a little bit more. You need to remember God is sovereign. Um, And anyway, if I tried to work like this and to worry about this, about all the new believers, then I'd end up as a nervous wreck within a week. It's not going to happen. Well, if we think like that, as, as I sometimes do, Paul's example humbles us to seek forgiveness from God. It's very challenging, but Paul's example is a great example as he follows the Lord Jesus. And we need to ask forgiveness for not caring enough about the spiritual health of young believers. Perhaps we need to ask forgiveness for not warning them, not having the courage to warn them about the likely persecution that they're going to face because we were so eager to get them to pray and start following Jesus. Perhaps it's forgiveness for not keeping in touch. You can think of that person who left, but we didn't make the extra effort to keep in touch and check they were settled in a good church. Perhaps it's forgiveness for forgetting that God is sovereign, so we do need to pray regularly for people to ask God's help. And forgiveness, I guess, underneath it all, for not loving the young believers as God would call us to. Of course, that will all we'll all be like that at times and we shouldn't despair we should ask forgiveness and remember that uh, through the Lord Jesus our God forgives us and changes us and the encouragement is that after we've humbled ourselves and we lift our eyes back to this passage God will call us and help us to follow Paul's example but there might be others of us here who are on a different um, end of the spectrum we're thinking I know I'm a long way off the loving heart of Paul Um, that's an amazing example to aspire to, but I do see something of that in myself. Um, For example, I think of these young believers in my home group. I think of them having a hard time at work, and it brings anxiety to me, and it leads me to pray for them and ask how they're finding things. I do continue to pray for the Iranian brothers and sisters who recently moved down to Leeds. I I made sure they were linked up with a good church before they left us. Well, if, that, if that's you, if you can even detect a small amount of that in you, um, that is great cause to thank God for. That's, praise God for that. And also look to the future. One of the things that is great coming back to St. Joseph's and seeing uh, your church family, and one of the visions for the church here is to, to grow. And of course growth would mean that there would be more and more young Christians. You guys would be the mature Christians. Uh, who would need to take the responsibility to look after the younger Christians, as Paul is talking about here. So let me ask you, are you ready to help them? Will you help them when they come? Let me just leave uh, a moment for people to respond individually in prayer to God, and then I'll um, wrap up by praying for us. Take Take a moment to pray.
Father God, we're very challenged by the example of Paul. It, um, we, we see that it's authentically Christian, um, but we, we struggle, we fall short. And we ask that you would forgive us for not loving young believers as Paul did and as you call us to. And we pray that you would help us not to wallow in despair, but to remember that we're forgiven in Christ. And but by your spirit, you'd send us out to love young Christians now and in the future, as Paul did. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.